Hello, and welcome to Friends for Life, a podcast of the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod's Life Ministry. We're sharing stories and insights of real people living out God's love for the people He's created. We hope you'll stick around and be our friends for life. Thanks for joining us for episode 10. I'm your host, Stephanie Jabauer, and today we'll be chatting with my friend, Amy Bird. Amy is joining us for our second installment of our ongoing segment called Friends in Real Life where we sit down to talk with a friend about a real-life issue that they are experiencing in real time. You wouldn't know it if you passed by her in the grocery store or saw her sitting across the aisle at church, but Amy has been suffering from chronic pain for years, and today we'll have the chance to listen to her story. Maybe you yourself suffer from some form of chronic pain or illness. Maybe you don't, but chances are you know someone who does. And either way, this conversation will hopefully encourage you and point you to Jesus, because if there is one thing I know for certain about my friend Amy, it's that she does both of those super well. So Amy, welcome. Thank you so much, Steph. It's great to get to connect and chat and be friends in real life. (laughs) Thank you. Yes, I'm sure people are wondering by now, like 10 episodes in, is everyone you have on the show like an actual friend that you have? And Uh, The answer is so far, yes. Um, The people that I've had on the show are actual real life friends of mine. And eventually I'm going to run out of like um, people I know super duper well. But so far, I've been blessed with at least 10 really close friends. So I'm (laughs) I'm thankful for that. And uh, and you are one of them. You're so close that uh, you were in our wedding. Uh, I was in your wedding. And my children call you Auntie Amy because you are that dear to us. One of the best titles out there. Yes. And I don't know, Steph, I think it says something about you and even that this podcast is called Friends for Life, that you get to interview your friends. It's pretty yeah, cool. It's awesome. You make friends, I think, pretty easily, and that's pretty cool. Uh, yeah, this is a this is a great job. Thank you. Um, yeah. I just said, yeah, for when you said you make friends really easily. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> give myself a pat on the back. I think you should, girl. Give yourself that pat on the back. Oh, golly. Yes. I didn't mean it like that, but thank you. Uh, and also, can we just give, because you you can see me, I can see you when we're recording. Let's just give a high five uh, for pew. 10 episodes, which I know that just sounds so silly, but um, we're Steph, a baby yeah. podcast so far, and I just feel like 10 episodes is an incredible feat. I'm just, can you hear the snaps? I'm snapping. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> that, that is. It's super cool. It's been fun to listen along, Steph. And I'm really excited about the content that you're sharing, that you want to share what you care about just in all issues related to life, um, but also specifically in life ministry. And I'm happy to get to be a part of it. So thanks for having me on. Thank you. Uh, Amy, you are a stand-up gal. When I think of you, I think of uh, someone who's fun and and funny. And uh, you're super talented in a bunch of random things. In fact, before we even uh, started this uh, recording, you were telling me about your cricket in the background, um, which I'm just amazed by like the the artsiness and the craftiness that you have. Um, yeah, cricket is not a bug. It's not a new pet right. in the home. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Yes. 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 But a really fancy printer thing that you can make pretty much anything you want come to life. Right. Cricket as in C-R-I-C-U-T, like cut, C-U-T, because it cuts. Yes. Yeah. Things. Man, and you're not even getting any like any bump or pay there for that that little 
reference but (laughs) sorry there's no promo codes at the end no promo yeah yeah (laughs) yes but you are super um talented in so many ways especially with uh design and arts and Mm. um and I also love that about you but I know a lot about you would you for our listeners introduce yourself and um and since this is going to be kind of a, a heavier topic maybe just tell us some things you do for fun and um some fun things about you Sure. Yeah. Well, I currently live in Federal Way, Washington with my husband, Aaron, who is a pastor out here at St. Luke's Lutheran Church. We've been here for four years. Actually, the the time of our recording today marks the fourth year of his installation at St. Luke's, which is pretty cool. Wow. So we're celebrating that. Um, I serve as a senior editor at World Vision, which is also headquartered out here in Federal Way. I also am a fur mama to, we've got two dogs and a cat. So Carly is our eight, nine-year-old-ish rescue hound mix dog. We've got Bella, who's our kitty cat. And then we just got a puppy named Teddy. He's a mini golden doodle. I'm obsessed. Also, that was a breakdown. It was not a breakdown of everyone's getting a puppy during COVID, but... (laughs) finally gave in. I feel like everyone is getting puppy during COVID. But our our hope is with him to uh, get to use him for ministry. So we're currently in the process of training him to be a therapy dog. That's a long road. So we'll see how he does with that. But that's also um, some of the thought behind that with him. Things that we do for fun or that I do for fun. uh, Love playing sports, love playing volleyball. Haven't gotten to do that as much recently. Um, Being out here in the Pacific Northwest, We love going out and exploring and hiking and fishing and just being outside. As Steph mentioned, also enjoy crafting and also writing. I get to do some freelance writing for, I also get to do some freelance writing for Concordia Publishing House. They have a digital online magazine called Lutheran Life, not to be confused with Friends for Life, but uh, you know. It's related, I'm sure. We're all talking about how to navigate this world, right? Uh, So that's been a super fun gig. And yeah. Amy, we were talking about this earlier, just getting getting prepared for a conversation. Um, You are going now on, I think, six years of dealing with the the chronic um, pain that you um, still experience today. Mm -hmm. And for for most of that, I, I have been through that with you now, not, um, um, always like right next to you. We've kind of lived in different parts of the country as well as in the same city, but I, I, I have been a spectator to that. I've tried to be a support for that, but I really don't know what it is like to be in your shoes. And although Mm -hmm. we've had a lot of conversations about it, um, we haven't, I mean, it's been piecemeal. And so I think it'll be, it'll be good for me today to hear from you about what your experience has actually been like from, from the start, but then also to, to serve our listeners who either can, um, directly identify with what you're going through or, or know someone who, who is dealing with something like, like you. So I guess, could you just start from the, from maybe the beginning and, and tell us, when that kind of, um, you know, story began for you and, and what it's been like. Yeah. So 
in January 2015, I was diagnosed with chronic migraine. And uh, for me, this was something that just kind of came out of nowhere. I didn't have migraines growing up. That wasn't a part of my story or even like a genetic background. No one else in my family has this. I wasn't in a, a car accident. Um, there's nothing that doctors can seem to be able to point to as to why one day I woke up and had head pain and it's never left. Now it has, I, I do have reprieve now, but for about a year and a half, I just had constant, a constant state of, of pain. What would change is basically its intensity and maybe how it, it affected other parts of my body. Um, but yeah, so chronic migraine is defined as at least 15 migraine days a month for wow. three months. Um, 15 migraine days? Correct. So that's, that's half a month. Yeah, yeah. And I would say, wow. and so where I was at in the beginning, it, it was every day. So it was just a constant ongoing uh, just state. So it was kind of just living with a, a dull, constant pain that would then erupt into... Uh, what people might might more commonly associate with a migraine of maybe pounding or throbbing, or I like to say ice picking oh, <laughs> kind wow. of um, a pain uh, in your in your head. Um, and people experience migraines differently, but for me, other symptoms that might come along with that are nausea and lightheadedness, certainly a lot of fatigue. Um, word recall, that's still one that really frustrates me a lot is being able to find words or even formulate them, like use my, my mouth to be able to speak them, numbness and tingling, um, and just an overall sense of malaise or just kind of feeling out of it. So, yeah. So especially for that first year, year and a half, that was a, a pretty constant state of life for me. I was employed uh, during that time, and uh, I worked for the LCMS Youth Ministry Office in St. Louis, and I'm so grateful for my boss and coworkers who worked with me to <laughs> support me as best as they could and um, make sure I was able to get the rest that I needed as well as be able to get the work done, you know, that what I, what I needed to do for my job. But so it would kind of look like going to work as best as I could. Some days I kind of felt just like I was a, a zombie walking through the day, doing my best to be engaged and focused, and then coming home and just crashing and sleeping. And uh, that didn't leave a lot of time for much else outside of that, besides just kind of a state of survival, of getting the food that I needed and going to various doctor's appointments and just trying to kind of stay afloat. So fast forward a little bit. Um, I've, I've seen a lot of doctors and um, tried a lot of different treatments and medications and things. It's really interesting for as much as we know about the human body, there's still so much that truly is unknown. And that's certainly true when it comes to the brain and migraines in particular. There's not a ton that is known about why migraines happen, what might trigger them, um, and, and how to really prevent them. A lot of Western medication is just kind of treating the symptoms. So how to make you feel as comfortable as possible to try and have the uh, some kind of quality of life that um, you agree to <laughs> or that works for you. 
Um, but yeah, so that included a, a trip to Mayo Clinic, actually just a little full circle here. Got to stay with Steph's sister and mm-hmm. brother-in-law who live in Rochester. Um, so but anyway, uh, to do lots of poking and prodding and, and crazy tests there to try and figure out what was what was going on. And um, certainly grateful to share that it's nothing, quote unquote, more serious. The way the, the doctor said is there's nothing life threatening but certainly it's life altering. Mm -hmm. And that's, I would say that's been very true. Um, In some ways, of course, it's wonderful to not have a more serious diagnosis, but having somewhat of an unknown kind of ailment um, makes it a little bit harder to treat, right? Because there's not really a clear plan or a way forward. Yeah. So I know we'll get into this more, but that's allowed for lots of opportunities to learn to, to trust God and his provision and um, healing in various areas because doctors haven't really been able to, to do a lot. Um, now, even just in talking to me today, you can probably gather I'm not quite where I was in 2015, yeah. 2016, and so thankful to, to share that. So have found things that have been helpful in trying to have a, a higher quality of life and keep migraines at bay. So some of that is just lifestyle change and finding medications and treatments that have been helpful for me. Um, but it, it still doesn't prevent a migraine from happening because it's a Tuesday and why not, you know, for no apparent reason. Um, so yeah, it's still certainly very much a part of my ongoing life, but um, a little bit more manageable these days, which I'm very thankful for. And every time a migraine happens, I'm reminded of just how much I can take for granted um, the more healthy days mm. as I'm starting to be able to string together a few more. So maybe to give a little bit of perspective, uh, last month in June 2021, time of this recording, mm-hmm. I had four migraines in the month. And that that's like the lowest I've had, I think, ever since this all started. So wow. that's about once a week, right? Um, yeah. So that's maybe just a little bit of... Um, perspective on like what is good or what is bad for me. It's all, I think, really relative. Uh, You know, when people ask like, how are you doing? It's often, it's hard, it's hard for me to really say. So I kind of just say like, well, today I can tell you what today feels like or how I'm doing today. Um, So today, today's been a good day, Steph. And I'm really thankful that I get to talk to you on a good day and um, certainly giving thanks to God for a good month last month. Um, But I'll just share here we are halfway through July and I've already had four. So who knows, you know, what, what might further be ahead for this month. So there's still a bit of variance there in trying to control them and um, what may come or not come. So when you um, have these migraines, like, is that it, is that an entire day for you now? Mm. Or is it like um, just a couple hours? What? Cause I've never had a migraine, so I don't, yeah. I don't know what these could be like. Great question. So oftentimes a migraine for me will look like needing to go to a completely dark, quiet room by myself to just lay down and sleep or rest and recover there. And usually that recovery time is about two to four hours. Uh, This is for me. So this is where it's like everyone's experience is different. What I share here may be different than what you or your friend or your relative experiences with migraines. But Um, For me, it looks like two to four hours of just kind of really being in that dark, quiet space, uh, sleeping off and on. And um, yeah, so usually, I guess it it depends when the the migraine attacks, whether that then kind of takes the whole day or if it's kind of a 
a half day of really feeling laying low and, and taking it easy. And then usually the next day for me also has this kind of lingering effect of feeling, you know, hit by a bus. Not that we use that expression. Have you ever been hit by a bus? I Like, what does it feel right. like to be hit by yeah. a bus? I don't know. But I suppose what we might think of is like yes. this very, very heavy weighted, like your whole body kind of bruised and yeah. in a weighted jacket, you know, yeah. um, a, a foggy kind of mind. Again, thinking about like uh, recall and and clarity and, and, and thoughts, all that can linger for me for that next day. So for me, I would say a migraine usually takes about uh, a, di- a day and a half to two days for like kind of full recovery. So you can see then how that might compound if this is happening multiple days. So even if someone isn't having the intense pain that might only last a couple hours, there's a, a larger period of time that is still affected by the migraine um, as it kind of works itself up in the body and then works itself out um, through the various stages of having a, a migraine. Man, I, I'm, I'm just trying to think of like the like the worst headache I've had in in my life and I I, I don't I don't think it I think it pales in comparison to the kind of stuff that, that you're describing because, um, thank the Lord, at least so far in, in my life, I, I have not experienced even one day of, of that. And man, like to have that affect the following day too. And, yeah. um, like it, it's gotta be hard to just feel like you can carry on with what the northern normal, like rhythms of, of life are. Yeah. Um, it, yeah. And, you know, it, I mean, does that sound right? Absolutely stuff. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, what a blessing. That's something you need to add to your, when you're thinking of what can I be thankful for to God today? Uh, the fact that you haven't had a migraine. Yeah, that's for sure something to be thankful for. When you're, you know, laying in your bed in a dark room, mm-hmm. um, what, um, I, I think I have heard you describe it as pain throughout your entire body as mm-hmm. well, not just mm-hmm. this, this headache, but then you even said, um, stuff like nausea, numbness and tingling. But I think I've also heard you say that at one point, um, during these migraines, um, like there was not one part of your body that didn't hurt. Is that right? I mean, do I remember that right? Yeah. So I would say the, the worst night, um, of migraine pain I've ever had. Yeah. It was just excruciating pain, just radiating throughout my body. Um, and I, I couldn't do anything to get comfortable. I have, ice packs and frozen peas and whatever I could find in the freezer strapped to my head. And, um, yeah, it was, it was a, it was a really hard night. Um, and in that night, something that came out of it for me was as I was laying in bed, just trying to calm myself, focus on breathing kind of through the pain. I was really afraid I was going to pass out from the intensity of the pain. And so it was just trying to stay calm as best as I could and and started scanning my body for any part that didn't hurt, like something, even just like a sliver of hope, if you will, like something I could hold on to or kind of try to like focus my attention on. And I realized my pinky toe. Thank God for pinky toes. Add that to the list too. Yeah. I, I couldn't feel my pinky toe. I don't think I could feel my toes in general, just with the numbness and tingling, but it didn't hurt. <laughs> it didn't hurt. And so, yeah, I just started 
breathing and and thanking God for my pinky toe. Wow. And and this comes after months of just conversations with God and working on my heart and um, trying to change my mindset and focus on things to be thankful for because you read throughout scripture, give thanks in all circumstances that, you know, Paul tells us to rejoice always. And he knew a thing or two about hardship and affliction and yet still tells us to do that. And here I'm thinking, how, how, what, what is there to be thankful for? And so I guess even step as we're chatting here and I keep saying, aha, something to be thankful for, put that on your list. That's, that's kind of how I've tried to live life is always looking for those those like things, there's always something we can be thankful for. Um, that's not to make light of the pain or to try and just slap on a smile and pretend everything's okay, but trying to cultivate a mindset that's always looking for God's blessings, even in the midst of suffering or hard things is something that's really helped me, I think, um, get to the place that I am today. So on that night of, yeah, the worst pain of my life, pinky toes are, are what I found to be thankful for. <laughs> well, I, that's that, that what you are describing is the systemic, um, pain that is radiating throughout every part of your body that perhaps some people can, um, you know, identify with or relate to. Um, mm-hmm. but that is a specific kind of suffering that, that a, a lot of us won't, um, won't face, especially in, in younger years. I mean, you and I are in our thirties and this is happening yeah. to you. Um, so, yeah. you know, um, we're not immune to, to that at all. Yeah. What, what kind of help have you gotten from doctors in terms of pain management, um, and, and different like treatment plans? Mm-hmm. Um, you don't have to get like super specific, but yeah, like how many of those have worked or like, what do you do now, I guess, to manage your pain? Yeah. I should keep track of the number of different medications I've tried. (laughs) It's a lot. Um, And that's kind of the strategy, more or less. Um, Working with Western medicine, the reason I say that is because I've I've found more relief more recently um, with things like acupuncture and therapeutic-based massage that comes more out of uh, traditional Chinese medicine or Eastern medicine. Um, But just, you know, you're, you're the normal doctors you go to. Uh, and you, when you say, hey, my head hurts, what's going on? <laughs> the solutions were really try this medication, see how it goes. And if that doesn't work, we'll come back. We'll try something else. Oh, now this medication brings this side effect along with it. Here, add this then for this side effect. And all of a sudden, you're compounding all the different medications you're taking to treat the different side effects and symptoms of your whole buffet of medicines. <laughs> so that that's kind of where I found myself. and. Um, it took a little bit of time even to, to untangle some of that web of the different medications and the side effects that, that they've had. Um, some brought relief and some, you know, have been helpful. So I'm not trying to, to say that's, that's wrong or bad. Uh, that was just the approach that, that I was led through. And it's just really hard. It's really hard. It can feel kind of like you're one big science experiment. And you just have to find what works for you. I think that's multiple neurologists have shared almost those exact words of there's a lot of different medications out there. We'll keep trying, you know, and we'll just have to find what works for you. And that's, yeah, (laughs) it's a hard approach. So currently, I mean, I still do have a a medication that I take uh, that 
when I get a migraine attack that helps keep the, the pain at bay and lessen the length of time that the attack is. Um, and then, as I mentioned, I'm also, I found some just um, maybe more natural ways of healing. I mentioned earlier lifestyle changes and things. So one of the, the first things that um, they'll have you do if you're trying to figure out the source of your migraines, ongoing migraines, is looking at what you're putting into your body. So um, looking at food. So I went through a pretty extensive elimination diet. I know you remember those days. Thank you so much for trying to keep track of what I could and couldn't eat and trying to find something that <laughs> was tasty. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty much that. texting you for, hey, like, Amy, can you send me a recipe of food that you that you, that you can have? <laughs> <laughs> and you were great about that. It, yeah. And that made it easier. But yes, yeah, yeah. you've yeah. had some so finding diet out, changes. Yeah. So finding out food triggers, you know, has been a part of it for me. Um, there are other things just like environmental triggers, like certain smells or lights or um, activities that also can be triggers for people. So that's another part of it too. Um, of course, stress affects our body so much. So um, work-life balance is really important. Getting enough rest and drinking water and exercising and all the things that doctors tell all of us to do for everything are also just a part of the basic, like taking care of yourself. What does it feel like to like be one big giant science experiment and like have this like cocktail of medicines that you're working through trying to figure out which ones work and which ones actually cause like adverse effects like what what does that feel like because uh, yeah. again like I I can't place I've never been in those shoes before where I felt like doctors are just taking stabs in the dark at at me as far as like is helping me mm-hmm. that's what it feels like you know the the stabbing in the dark it, it feels like you're lost so um it feels really disorienting like not knowing um what what to cling to if you will what what um will help and uh, after time, certainly a sense of hopelessness, um, even just, again, hearing from the Mayo doctor, of, you know, it's not life, life threatening, but it is life altering, just kind of this resignation of like, yep, this is just something we don't know where it came from or how it started. And it's something that's kind of just going to be part of your life now. Like, that's not a super hopeful kind of diagnosis um, to hear. So more recently, and some of the people that I've been able to connect with out here, healthcare providers, they've shared things of um, that have sounded more hopeful of, you know, like there is a way that we can work on this. And even still, like I'm, I'm tentative, one, to even share that here, right? Yeah. <laughs> but tentative to, to believe it for myself too, um, after so many years and, well, after so many years of not seeing that that come to fruition. And I say this, I'm six years in, there are people who have been at different chronic diseases or ailments for much longer. Um, yeah. So it, it, it can feel like a, a sense of being alone and not understood and not knowing really if there's hope or a way out of where you're currently at. Yeah. Wow. And man, I mean that again, that just gave me pause because any kind of I mean, so far, again, praising the Lord for that, but so far, um, I, I, I don't know what that's like to have this ailment that doesn't have an end, you know, mm. um, I've certainly been sick before and I've also even had, um, conditions before, um, in both of my pregnancies, I had a, um, really, 
terrible um, condition that really was only solved by having my babies, but there was an, an end to that too. Yeah. And yeah. I can't think of what that's like for you, for like this, this is life altering as in this could be your whole life, mm. um, not having necessarily a, 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 like a guaranteed way out. Um, mm-hmm. that's a different kind of suffering that, that, that some of us can't, you know, um, really resonate with thankfully, but again, hopefully just to make us aware of there are people in our midst who, who deal with this on a, on a daily basis. So yeah. then I guess my next question is who has stepped in to, to help you and care for you and, mm-hmm. and what, what, what kind of burden does that place on them and what kind of burden does that place on, on you yeah. <laughs> at the same time? Yeah, certainly um, my, my family has been huge. So my mom and my dad for sure. And, and now being married to my husband, Aaron, where we are thousands of miles away from family, he really carries a lot of that burden living in the same house, right? So um, I know that can maybe be even harder for my parents being far away and not able to, to be with me, even if they can't change how I'm feeling. Um, but yeah, so a lot of that really falls on my husband. And I think a future podcast episode is just talking to caretakers and caregivers of different kinds and, and to hear the perspective, that perspective as well. But yeah, and it, and my friends as well and different friends in different seasons, again, depending on where I'm living. Cause, um, a lot of this, can require some really like in-person kind of assistance or care, like bringing over a meal or being okay just to come and sit, um, as well as friends from a distance who are are faithful in prayer and in checking in and um, still wanting to be my friend, <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, even when that means um, canceling on times to hang out because I'm not feeling well that day um, and things like that. So, yeah. Those are are some people that have really played front row seats or had front row seats in my care. And then what was the second part of that? How how have they cared? Or yeah, I get well, you already answered that, I would say. Okay. Okay. I mean you were pretty specific with that. Yeah. But I I guess you answered my question in that that's a whole other podcast episode because I, I asked you about um yeah. what like what kind of um, burden does that place on them. And then as the one receiving it, like needing to receive so much help, what kind of burden also do you have to shoulder yeah. as the one, re- like the recipient? Mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. And yeah, but maybe that just has to be like tabled. And we talk about that later too, but I guess what's your quick answer? Yeah. Yeah. The burden I know that my husband would say is that he can't make it go away. He can't help me. Uh, and I think my parents would probably say that as well. So it's the burden of seeing a loved one suffer and not being able to do anything about it. And I just can't imagine how torturing that must be, you know, um, stuff you think about meeting the needs of your your little ones. And if you weren't able yeah. to, you know, help Nora stop crying <laughs> for yeah. whatever reason, um, that, that can be a really helpless feeling, I think, uh, for the caregivers end of things. And then some of the burden on me, I think there are a couple of different burdens, but um, 
I can ebb and flow through how much I really want other people to share that burden with me because I'm placing a burden on them and that doesn't feel great. And I, I am not getting better, right? Like with certainly I've made progress, but this, it's an ongoing thing. So it's not a simple, like, Oh, this was a bad day. Uh, you cooked a great meal. It was very comforting and yummy. And now I feel better. And so you solve the problem. Like I can't also give the caregiver the satisfaction of being able to, to help in, in a finite or a complete kind of way, you know? Yeah. Um, so that's, that's some of the, the burden of one being the burden and then not being able to, um, get like be over it no longer be the burden right or or give I don't want to say the satisfaction as if a caregiver is doing it for their own satisfaction but but that that feeling of of relief that comes after you've received comfort from someone else that can happen temporarily but not um long term Hmm. and then I kind of mentioned it before but especially when it comes to friendships feeling feeling the burden of being a bad friend um for not being able to always be there or um, canceling plans and things like that. That's, that's kind of an ongoing conversation with all of my close friends um, because inevitably, yeah, I am not hundred percent attendance in <laughs> making our, our coffee dates or FaceTime hangouts or whatever it might be. Yeah. Well, what you said just made me think of too, with someone providing a meal for you and, and it blessing you, but, um, you know, really doesn't solve the problem. Um, I guess sometimes the church needs to pause and realize that, that, that Christians, um, aren't Jesus and that Jesus is the <laughs> only one that can provide perfect and complete healing. Mm-hmm. Um, but sometimes what we can do is alleviate suffering, um, in, in the moment. And while that's not, yeah. um, complete or perfect, um, we, we still tend to their needs and care for them. And then we also offer them the hope of Jesus, who is the one who offers complete and perfect healing and hope and uh, the promise of restoration when, mm-hmm. I guess, when all things are made, made new. Um, so I guess an encouragement to people that, that to alleviate someone's suffering or pain in a very temporary way is still a very good thing to, to do. So to take that meal, even though it doesn't... Um, it really doesn't take the pain away from you, but it serves your family nonetheless. You know, it, that's still good. Steph, it's vital. Like, I don't want people to to mishear that. Like, that so much co- with that comes encouragement to just make it through another day. Hmm. And I think so much when you talk about living life with any kind of chronic condition, um, you know, you mentioned earlier, like, wow, just that the reality of it may never come to an end. Like, that's not even something I think that I can really think about. And, and one of the things that's helped me is really taking things a day at a time, trying to be present in the moment, focusing on the idea of just for today or, um, you know, God providing our daily bread, giving enough to get through this one day. And our, our friends and families, neighbors, church members, they help provide that that daily provision that's so needed. And I can't tell you how many times someone's thoughtful gesture has helped me get through the day and helped me keep pushing. Um, so yeah, absolutely. It makes a difference. And then I think being able to hold that balance of being able to care for someone meeting a temporary need while recognizing 
that need will continue to be there. And as you, you mentioned, pointing to Jesus is really crucial, um, especially in just thinking about the, um, like how you how interact with someone with a, a chronic condition that I'm, I'm not better. <laughs> you know, you can ask, how, like, how are you feeling today? Oh, are you feeling better? And, and certainly, like I mentioned at the beginning of the show, like, well, rel- relatively to other days, I can share you or I can share with you how I'm feeling, but um, like, nope, still not better. <laughs> mm-hmm. So like, that's not always the most helpful question. So being able mm-hmm. to hold, hold the, the tension of helping meet a temporary need and that being so, so life-giving and wonderful, but also continuing to lift me up in prayer or continuing to walk with me, knowing that that suffering continues is also really encouraging and, and just helpful because that's, that's the reality of, of where I'm at. What would, what would, I guess, good questions be for me as a friend to, to ask you or Mm -hmm. maybe things that wouldn't be helpful (laughs) for me to say (laughs) or do? (laughs) Yeah. I think like even just saying like, how's today? Like putting um, more of a, a framework around it is helpful for mm. me because it's a lot to, to try and navigate through just how am I in general <laughs> and on different levels. I mean, another thing that we haven't talked about, but should be mentioned in any kind of chronic condition that's affecting your body physically, I, I can't imagine how that wouldn't also affect you emotionally and, and spiritually. Um, just being an interconnected human being of mind, body and spirit so yeah, along with the, the physical ailments that we've talked about, depression has also been a part of that journey for me. Um, and, and certainly different, different periods in my, my spiritual walk as well. So um, that was a, a tangent, but I feel like something that needs to be said or should be included yeah. Yeah, um, in how we talk about things. Um, but yeah, how, how is, is today is a good one. Um, Steph, I think you'll ask for specific prayer requests and that's also really helpful. Um, not helpful questions. <laughs> um, I, I kind of shared, I, I think it's more so maybe from, from people who are a little bit more at a distance who don't, um, who aren't walking with me. So um, asking like that I, if I'm all better, you know, and things like that isn't always super helpful. Um, but, but asking how today is, and if today is better than yesterday, you know, that's a little bit mm. more helpful. Mm. Yeah. And then asking, um, you know, how can I help or, or what do you need? Those kinds of things are good questions, but also I think too, um, sharing with me and it, it probably depends on different seasons and times and how much I'm able to take on of other people's stories or their own burdens. But um, one thing that I have a lot of time to do when I'm just laying in bed is to pray. And it's really wonderful to get to pray for something other than yourself Mm. (laughs) and to think about other people. And um, yeah, so to still treat me like a normal person, if you will, as far as um, being willing to share some of your own story. Um, so it doesn't need to be a comparison game of, well, because Amy has this extreme pain, I don't want to tell her about what I might by comparison see as a smaller pain, whether that's physical or relational or whatever. Um, we're, we're called to carry each other's burdens regardless. And I don't think we serve each other very well by trying to compare the loads that we have, um, mm-hmm. but rather just to, to share them with each other and, 
uh, I think when we we share what each other is carrying, it makes all of our loads lighter. Hmm. And that even makes me think of, um, you mentioned Paul and in yeah. his letter to the Philippians, he's in, in prison and he opens with, I thank my God every time I remember you in my prayers. I mean, he's yeah. been through some crazy amounts of suffering, including the present time when he's writing this mm-hmm. and he's thinking of others in, in prayer. So that's, honestly, I, I didn't really connect those things until you had said that. Um, but for you to be able to, I guess, point your um, heart and mind towards uh, like others, others focused. I mean, that takes a lot of strength <laughs> on your end to be able to pray for someone else when you yourself need really, um, like really intensive, um, support and prayer. It's life giving too, though. Like, you know, we think about sin as, as being navel gazing turned in on ourselves, right? Not that having a chronic condition is sin, but but I think we all understand the idea of being so focused on our own needs versus lifting our eyes and seeing the needs of our neighbor and just how that gives you a completely different mindset. Um, and I, I think there's an application here too of being more aware of the people around you and how you serve how you serve your neighbor. Like because I have a chronic condition doesn't mean I'm exempt from that, right? It might look different. Um, but that's still what it means to be a follower of Jesus, to be a creature in his good creation. Um, I get to love and care for people and I can certainly do that in, in prayer. And so it's, it's good for me too, (laughs) and for my soul and, uh, for my thoughts and my mind to not be so caught up in what all I'm going through and having that on replay, but thinking of others and I think, having a a chronic condition um, has given me eyes to see beyond appearances, like having an invisible illness, if you will, has um, taught me that everyone has something going on right behind the smiles, not even that they have to be fake smiles, but um, just be behind what, what we see um, from appearance. Um, Everyone needs prayer. And I think if, if we take the time to, to listen or even maybe to, to observe a little bit closer, we'll get clues into maybe how we can be praying for or caring for the people around us. Hmm. You have, um, you have your master's, um, from the seminary and you are married to a pastor, but tell us like how this journey has been for you, even as someone who, like is academically very familiar with scripture theology. Yeah. What's that been like? We've talked about pain yeah. and physical, but then you mentioned of course, spiritual and, and, and mental. Mm-hmm. What's your wrestling been like? I would imagine it's been wrestling with God, but maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm putting words in your mouth. Yeah. So this all happens um, when I started going to seminary. So I was going part-time while I was also working at the LCMS in the LCMS youth ministry office. And I had to put a pause on my, my coursework just to, to focus on my health. And so it was right in the throes of, you know, learning (laughs) and really diving deeper into um, theology and our faith and things. And I think for um, a period of time when this was all starting, um, it was just a sense of numbness before God, 
I suppose there would be anger, but anger was just too much energy um, that I didn't have. And so it was maybe more a, a numbness or um, a silence. And sure, I could cognitively tell myself these theological concepts, right? Um, but sometimes that doesn't always um, tend to the heart and to the emotions or feelings that, that you're going through in life. And so, yeah, for a while, it was, it was kind of just numbness and nothing. And um, after a while, I, I knew that I needed to work on that and I wanted to work on that. And uh, I mentioned the, the Philippians passage. Well, you, you put Philippians 4 to it. But I, I mentioned just the idea that, that we're to give thanks in all circumstances. And um, <laughs> I really wondered how that was possible. And if that, that was to be true, what would that look like even in my life, even now? And there was a book that I read at that time called 1000 Gifts by Ann Boskamp, where she's kind of taking this on herself of what it looks like to give thanks for a thousand different blessings just in her, her ordinary life and through the, the different struggles of, of that life just presents. And for me during that time, um, it turned into praying a, a really simple prayer. I really wasn't talking much to God. I didn't really have any words um, to formulate at least. Um, and and so the simple prayer was just with my, my hands open and just saying thank you and really trying to be in a posture of, of looking to receive from God. And I would just repeat that. Thank you. Thank you. And sometimes then specific things would come to mind of things to be thankful for. And other times nothing, but it was still helping me get into the practice of, of seeking to have eyes that see blessing and um, a spirit that looks for blessing, um, even when it seems like there's none to be found, because there always is something mm -hmm. to be found. As long as we have breath in our lungs um, and the, the various things around us, oh my goodness, living in America, we can go on and on about all the things we, we take for granted, even, even without moving from our home, uh, that is blessing and gift. Um, but yeah, that, that kind of started to chisel away at some of the numbness and, um, and allow a conversation with God to begin again. The other thing I would say too, um, and something I, I love about our faith and about our God that I, I really dove into and still very much cling to is just praying God's promises back to him. Hmm. And so I, I guess I haven't necessarily put this together, but, you know, just in your questions asking about what it felt like to not really get much help or answers from doctors and kind of feeling like we were just trying things and, and how that felt very disorienting or like there was no sense of, of really hope or a way forward. Um, and very, very big contrast. I have never doubted that God's truths are in fact true and that he is trustworthy and faithful. And so I held him to that. And this is where maybe more of that anger, or some of those feelings might, might come in or be at play. Um, and it was, it was just prayers of God. If you, if you say this, then let, like, show me, make it true in my life. And 
praying prayers like that to God, because uh, he can handle it. He can handle all our emotions. He can handle the anger. He can handle the sorrow. He can handle the depression. He can handle the frustration, the doubts, the why me's. Um, and, and giving that back to God and asking him to, to handle it uh, is probably the best thing that I could do because I certainly <laughs> couldn't handle it. And so that, that's another practice or that was another common part of my, my prayer life during that time that, um, again, helped me to then see God's promises and see his faithfulness and um, just deepen my, my walk with him, honestly. What's an example of a, a promise that you prayed back to, to, to God? Well, this is probably not one that you might first think of, but I've, I've, for, um, man, how many years now? For several years now, this started in college, so over 10 years, um, had this grand idea to have a word or a theme verse for the year. And that's something that kind of would direct some of my devotional times, my prayer times, just general focus around things. And this is, this has become part of just some of my annual rhythms, I guess. So over Christmas break, between Christmas and New Year's, I usually take some time alone just to journal, reflect on the year and sit with God and consider the year to come. And usually uh, a word or a verse will come. And that will be then kind of my focus for the next year. So going into 2015, Steph, get ready for the kicks and giggles. The word oh, that man. came. Should I guess? Oh, yes. Oh, let's guess. Yeah. <laughs> okay. Guess. Yes. All going right, into so 2014. So I had, I had had some kind of weird health stuff, but like life is pretty much normal. I'm like two, almost three years into my first big girl job out of my own living life, ready to take on the world, right? Mid twenties. Yeah. What's I was my, there with what, you, you were there with me. What's my word for the year? Ah, uh, let's see. I'm trying to think of something that would be ironic. Cause I have a feeling that's where you're going. Oh, don't give it away. Uh, oh, okay. Um, ah, uh, persevere. Mm. Mm, that's, that's a good one. It wasn't that though. The word that that I chose from a a passage that I had been reading and was really just, I just kept reading over and over is abound. Hmm. Abound. A-B-O-U-N-D. Abound. Who chooses that word? I don't know. Why did I choose that word? Let me tell you to, to put abound and a chronic illness diagnosis together. Hmm could feel like a slap in the face or, or maybe there's something there. And so um, the whole passage in second Corinthians nine is worth reading and chewing on and, and praying back to God. But I'll just share one verse here for our time together. And it's verse eight and God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times you may abound in every good work. Wow. There, there's a lot in that verse. And this passage, we often tie to like stewardship and giving. This is right after, you know, God loves a cheerful giver and things like that. And those who sow plentifully will reap plentifully. But here, 
I was reading it a little bit differently, and I think it can stand on its own. And God is able to make all grace abound to you, so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. And this was a season where I didn't feel like I had sufficiency in anything at any time to abound in anything of any substance. And so that that became my challenge back to God. God, you say that you will make all grace abound to me, that I will have sufficiency in all things at all times to abound in every good work. And really what that did is that released me from what I thought I was supposed to accomplish for the day and my plan and my schedule. And instead, I released it and said, okay, God, you are giving me all grace to abound in every good work that you have for me to do. Whatever I'm not able to accomplish today because of my current physical condition must be off the table. But yeah, that was really, it was, again, kind of this open-handed posture of saying, whatever you're able to do through me today is clearly and truly only by your power and your Mm. grace, because I've got nothing. And it was a time where that was just so evident because my, my tank was below empty, you know? So yeah, that's, that's one example of a verse and a promise of God that I would often pray back to him and helped shape and reshape my heart and my prayer and uh, yeah, just my relationship with God. Well, when you're, when you're, when you're saying promises and repeating God's promises back, I mean, these are all just verbatim from scripture. Um, These are the promises that are for all believers and they're not, (laughs) they're not promises to prosper and relieve your suffering. Right. I mean, because these aren't promises that God has made to every believer. Um, These are promises that he's made to all who are in Christ. And that uh, I have also, because wiser people than myself have told me to do that exact same thing, to repeat God's promises back in prayer. That is a really powerful tool. (laughs) It's a tool and um, it's a, it's effective and also changes your overall quite a literal posture towards what you're experiencing in the moment. And then, you know, people can't see you like I can see you, but when you were talking about praying with your hands open, I mean, you, you showed me what that was and I can Mm -hmm. imagine you like on your bedroom floor in the dark, like on your knees with your hands open, just pretty much having nothing to offer God except for open hands, which is, (laughs) which is really what like our, our spirituality is. Right. And, um, our posture towards God truly is, is just one of like reception and receiving all from him. That's a really poignant like picture of what it means to be filled with grace. And that promise, I can see it, um, has been true for you because that his word is true. Mm. And, um, also like, I guess if I can, you know, we're talking about, um, prayers and the Psalms are prayers and hymns. Mm -hmm. And so we even think about David having these songs of lament. I mean, these weren't, these weren't like these overly powerful, like seemingly faith-filled prayers, except they were because he's still praying, right? And I mean, I don't know how lament has played a role in 
this and maybe it hasn't as as much as these repeating these promises but i mean maybe people out there have done that and tried that and just praying the psalms has been something that's brought them some kind of um i don't even know yeah <laughs> uh brought faith certainly lament is part of this um a mourning and grieving what's been lost and there's a lot that's been lost and that's probably something that I still need to do work on and identifying and crying out to God about. Um, but yeah, the, the Psalms of Lament are near and dear to my heart. And um, I don't know, can provide comfort sometimes in a way that only someone else saying, yep, I get just how terrible this is too. <laughs> um, not, not trying to provide an upside to it, but just saying, yeah, this is this is terrible. And and for me, Psalm 13 is that psalm. It does have an upside at the end, which I do appreciate and a, and a clinging to God's promise. But it's it's how long, oh Lord, how long will you forget me forever? Will you hide your face from me? How long must I take counsel in my soul and have sorrow in my heart all the day? How long shall my enemy be exalted over me? Consider and answer me, oh Lord, my God. That's another another uh promise or just passage of scripture, consider and answer me, O Lord, my God, light up my eyes, lest I sleep the sleep of death. But I have trusted in your steadfast love. My heart shall rejoice in your salvation. He's saying this in the same breath. How long, O Lord, how long? (laughs) But my heart shall rejoice in your salvation. I will sing to the Lord because he has dealt bountifully with me. Um, yeah, Probably that's, a synonym with abound, huh? <laughs> it is. It is. Yeah. Yep. So there's even a connection back there to that. So yeah, so that's my go-to psalm. Uh, I'm sure people have others, but that one's nice and short and gets right at it. <laughs> mm. Well, and this is something that, again, we need to like make a whole episode in itself talking about how, like how we reconcile suffering as a Christian. Yeah. But I guess in in your life and in your story, like how, how do you, how do you come to terms with the fact that uh, you believe in Jesus, you are a child of God, but you also suffer and Christ hasn't taken your, your suffering away from you at this time. And, mm-hmm. and there's no real promise that he will in this lifetime. So I guess how, like, how is there reconciling or, I mean, is it just, a prayer of faith that God would give you faith despite that? Like, how do you handle that? Yeah, I think there's a couple things. One thing that I've been thinking about just more recently is how you could really frame the whole of the the narrative of scripture through suffering. Um, you look at God's people throughout time have been marked by suffering, like deep, hard suffering. Um, Why? (laughs) Why would God choose in his story that he's writing? And I recognize here we're getting into some some tricky grounds, but just go with me here. that, That throughout the narrative of scripture, as we are meeting who God's people are, the people that he loves the most, and their lives are marked by really hard things, Um, whether that's the Israelites, 400 years in slavery and bondage, um, whether it's in in exile, his people underneath, you know, non, 
Yahweh following rulers, um, whether it's just more physical ailments of, of individuals, of, of different, yeah, what deafness or blindness or lameness, whatever. Um, but to the point of God then himself and the incarnation, Jesus choosing to also walk the road of suffering to join himself so closely with it. God has this special relationship, I think, with, with people in, in suffering. I mean, even in the Psalms, that God is close to the brokenhearted and those crushed in spirit. Why? I don't know, but I, I see throughout scripture and in my, my own life and the world around us that suffering seems to be, uh, I don't know, some kind of common thread or theme um, of of God's people. And certainly people who are not Christian also deal deal with suffering as well. But But to think that God himself would choose to connect himself with suffering so intimately to, to, um, to death on a cross, um, is interesting. And I do think there's something there that seeing that, that Jesus would take on such suffering gives a sense of, um, of purpose or maybe honor or even dignity in the idea of suffering. I mean, I think about second Corinthians one that just talks about, well, it, it starts as just a, a blood says, blessed be the God and father of our Lord, Jesus Christ, the father of all mercies and God of all comfort, who comforts us in all our afflictions so that we may be able to comfort those who are in any affliction with the comfort that we ourselves have received from God. For as we abundantly, there's that word again, man, for as we share abundantly in Christ's sufferings, so through Christ, we share abundantly in comfort too. So I don't know. I think there's a connection there between, um, walking in suffering and being able to offer comfort and care for others and how we see that modeled in, in Jesus Christ himself and the suffering that he bears, the ultimate suffering of the weight of sin of the whole world upon his shoulders. And through that, um, the connection to each of us and in our individual sufferings and lives. So that's, that's something I've just been reflecting on. Certainly just theology of the cross. We, we can't explain suffering, but we point to, to Jesus who has borne the weight of suffering on the cross. And and um, that we have hope. Um, the, other, the other passage that gives me a, a lot of hope, or as I, I think about just suffering, uh, is from Romans 8. And just the idea that, that all of creation is groaning together and we're part of that. And the hope that we have in the new creation so in Romans 8, it talks about salvation as the redemption of our bodies. And as someone who um, has would like to maybe have a new physical body or less pain, right, or healing within it, the idea that salvation includes a redeemed body is something that gives me hope. And I don't know, even at, at times as there are aches and pains in my body, it can point me to... Uh, the life that is to come, and looking forward to that day when all will be made new. Um, yeah, but you're you're absolutely right when you say you know is it a, how how do you find hope for for life today? I, it's that's that's hard, but but some of it is yeah, just the the hope that we we have in Jesus that comes with a new heaven and a new earth and a redemption of our bodies, uh, a place where there is. No more pain, 
uh, or tears or sorrow has been washed away. And that has become more real to me than just words on a page. How would you encourage um, people who are listening who who actually can relate to um, your your suffering of um, of chronic pain? Mm-hmm. What encouragement do you have? Maybe I guess just in like one or two sentences. It's hard because I think there are times when I don't want to hear any words, and that mm-hmm. no words will do. And so I'm leery of of trying to offer words to someone who is feeling something so deeply and being consumed by something so challenging that there really are no words. There's no band-aid statements. There's no easy solution. The other thing might be um, the idea of taking things one day at a time and focusing on just the next moment or next hour or just the day as opposed to trying to look too far ahead and see how things make sense or how things play out or play the what if, what if, what if game. But um, yeah, focus on where where you are now and see if you can start stringing together things to be thankful for from one moment to the next. In, in this podcast, uh, Friends for Life, I mean, our, our goal really is to highlight um, different different life issues. So issues that affect um, a person's life (laughs) from beginning to end. And one of those is suffering and brings to my mind that we should have eyes to to see and um, be on the alert for how the church can step in and serve. Um, And so I guess wrapping up here, I want to know what would your charge for the church be in terms of how can the church serve these mm. people in our midst? But not only that, like what is your place in, in the life of the church, even as you struggle and in, in, in deal with this? I know you well enough to know <laughs> you, you still serve. You're still very active in church, even despite days where you have to just be in your room in the dark. So yeah. Well, Steph, I appreciate just your awareness and your eyes to see, recognizing that, yeah, it, this does include people sitting in our pews. I don't know how many people have come up and said, you know, maybe it's not exactly the same situation as my own, but like, hey, this this resonates with my story, or I know someone, a, a dear loved one in a similar kind of situation. And so, yeah, I think it is more common than we realize, or just the idea of people being able to relate to suffering that lingers, that that doesn't end, or doesn't seem to have uh, some kind of solution. Um, so yeah, certainly they, they are people sitting in our pews and are, are people for whom the church can serve as well as have opportunities to, to serve themselves. And so I think uh, my charge for the church, uh, as you asked, would maybe be twofold. And, and first is just that reminder or that encouragement that not all illness or suffering or ailments is visible. And it really does require eyes to see, like you said, and a sensitivity to the reality that there's more going on than what meets the eye, which requires maybe slowing our pace and asking questions and really getting to know people to 
to learn where they're at and how to best care for them. And then the other part would be, as you already mentioned, how where do I fit in, in the life of the church, or where do other people who who suffer? Because certainly we're we're more than just a recipient of of care, which yes we are, but also uh, we also have vocations in which we get to care and, and love for the people around us too. And that's going to vary depending on what people's abilities are and and situations and seasons of life. Um, but I think uh, across the board there is a certain wisdom and perspective that people suffering from chronic illnesses have that really can only be gained by knowing what it's like firsthand to mm-hmm. endure the kinds of things we've talked about, the the pain and the suffering, the, the kind of all encompassing um, born in the flesh that doesn't, that, you know, isn't alleviated. Um, Whoa, like that really stuck out to me, Amy, when you said thorn in the flesh. Mm. And I'm guessing you're using the imagery that Paul actually writes in his letters. And we don't we don't really know specifically what that thorn in the flesh was for Paul, although there's people who have, you know, speculations that could be decently like accurate. But wow, I mean, what does that look like for you? I mean, that that has to be how you can identify with Paul in some way, right? I mean, is that what you're meaning by that? We are talking about Paul a lot. And man, I just feel like I resonate a lot with the things that he writes about, whether it's his own personal experience or the what he he shares to the different churches that he's writing to. And yeah, I very much resonate with the idea of asking God, coming before my father over and over, asking for complete healing. And that's not something that he's granted me yet. And so I go through seasons where it can be harder or easier to pray with that kind of boldness and confidence because it's something he hasn't removed. And so when Paul talks about, you know, praying three times for it to be removed and then just kind of accepting it and recognizing that God's grace is enough and that his power is made perfect and Paul's weakness is very much um, something I can also resonate Mm with both the, the ongoing prayer for something that so far has been a, a no or a not yet. And also the recognition that during this time, I've, I live into that God's power is made perfect through my weakness. Amy, thanks so much for being willing to be on, on here to talk about um, what is considered your weakness. But as I'm looking at you and hearing from you, I also see the strength of Christ beaming from you. And I love you. Thanks for being on. Thanks, Steph. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in. If you liked what you heard, please leave us a a review and don't forget to click the follower subscribe button on your app so you don't miss out on any upcoming episodes. New episodes drop the second and fourth Fridays of every month. Finally, listeners, we want to hear from you. Do you have an idea about a guest or a specific topic you'd like to hear about? Email us at friendsforlife at lcms.org. We want to hear from you about what you want to hear about when it comes to issues of life. Thanks for joining us. Friends for Life is a podcast that introduces listeners to life issues by introducing them to friends who stand for life. Mm-hmm.